not everybody has a cozy, happy, healthy home. So biblical truths are biblical truths and they're true for everyone, whether you have a happy home or not. And I think what maybe actually um, shows this better is the fact that when you don't have it, you long for it because it's how we're made. We're made for that. We're made to have a place where we belong, people we relate to, and a God that loves us. And when we don't have those things, we feel something is amiss. I always try to say, this is not the prosperity gospel we're talking about. We're not talking about you have a promised home and it's a seven bedroom house with 14 bathrooms. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a place where you belong. And we would receive that as a place where you belong in Christ. In Christ, we all belong. We are adopted, we are loved, we are blessed. Hello, and thanks for listening today on Study with Friends. For the past several weeks, we've been studying through the Old Testament, focusing on the covenantal themes of land, descendants, and special relationship. In this current series, we are exploring these themes through the latter prophets. If you missed any part of this study or would like to get the homework, just go to our website, studywithfriends.org, and search Old Testament. You can also listen on your favorite streaming apps, and we're now available on YouTube. Now, let's continue in God's Word. about the wandering just sure if i can answer it i will so moses brings them right up to the promised land and then they turn around or they just don't go in there they go in just moses isn't allowed to go in okay but they're wandering they were wandering because they messed up mm-hmm. and then they forgot if they had was. made a beeline do you know it was not it, like, i said yeah. it was a hilarious yeah. it's a hilariously yeah. tiny you desert, look so at they're it just yeah they're just wandering circle, around circle, yeah, yeah. Well, how didn't someone God it wasn't like, someone like we've seen this cactus doing. before? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the same tumbleweed from twenty years ago. Maybe we should go that way instead. Like none of that was new. <laughs> I don't know. I think um it's probable that they didn't. Be- and the mm. reason that I think that is because um really the only thing I can compare it to is when Jesus re- was resurrected and he was walking along the road with two of his, mm-hmm. not, not the 12 disciples, but two disciples. Mm-hmm. So people who like. knew mm-hmm. who he was like intimately mm-hmm. and he was walking with them for a long way because when you look at it and it says beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained everything to them. That is not a short conversation mm-hmm. and okay. they didn't know who he was mm-hmm. also. And so I, I know that God can veil mm-hmm. things from us mm-hmm. also there were plenty of times that God veiled things um, across the apostles that they just did not see because it wasn't time yet. Mm. And so you, I think a lot of people think, um, why why were the apostles so obtuse? Like, how did they not see who they were walking with and what was happening? Um, it's, it's pretty clear in scripture that God had veiled their understanding. And in fact, in some cases, it actually says that God had veiled their understanding. And then when the resurrection happened, that's why they were completely changed because of course the resurrection changes everything. But also I, I think the veil was lifted. In fact, that's one of the reasons they say the veil was torn because this, this separation between God and his people was torn. And that's a huge, um, um, metaphor is it is it a metaphor or an analogy metaphor i mean it actually happened right so it's a it's a i i call it like an object lesson like an Mm -hmm. actual concrete object lesson of this yeah it's it's symbolic yeah really good um and actually one of the things that we could learn a lot about in in the latter prophets is they did what's called symbolic actions 
Um, so when you read the, the latter prophets, when you dive, dive in, which I hope you will, um, you'll see like Jeremiah did a lot of symbolic actions. Um, Hosea marrying the disreputable woman, that was a symbolic action. And so God's big on that stuff. Like, let me show you exactly what I mean. And so tearing the veil was not just about, it was about um, uh, removing the separation, but it was also removing sort of mm. the, um, he really in Christ, all Christ was the revelation. So if we look at the Old Testament and how God dripped out the understanding, the way you guys just had that experience, which I did too, of oh my, from creation, oh my gosh, land descendants and a special relationship. This was God's intention, but he dripped that understanding out. If you look at the covenants themselves, um, the Davidic is the most robust. He gives you a lot of detail. Um, and so he's giving a little bit more revelation as time goes by. And so um, that veil, I think um, for me, and I think biblically we can make this argument that um, the, a lot of things were veiled to the people of God throughout time until Christ. And then he began to reveal, I mean, Christ is the revelation. So through Christ, we have all the revelation. We can see now in hindsight, our current condition and what he's given us for the future. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So I think it's, I think it's probable that they did not know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then that's the parallel too, with like, like Jesus and Israel, mm -hmm. like the veil being torn yeah. with Jesus, but then also like the veil. With yes, the yes, yes. Now having said that, we also have to remember the, um, the practical, um, I guess it's another object lesson because what God had done with Israel, they were disobedient. They were grumbling. Remember, he brought them out of Egypt and they were cranky. Mm -hmm. They were like, we want to go back. Mm -hmm. And he was so irritated, rightfully so. So he, he said to them, you are not going to get you. This generation is a wicked generation and you don't get to see the promised land. But what he was teaching during that time was obedience. Because if you read um, in that segment, it says when the cloud moved, the people moved. And sometimes they'd stay in a place for a long time. Sometimes they'd stay in a place for a day. And they weren't really going anywhere. Mm -hmm. So it was really more about when you move, I move. When you move, I move. And it was teaching them obedience, which is another kind of mind-blowing mm -hmm. parallel, right? Because as we're wandering in the wilderness, what we're learning is, can I obey my God even when I don't see at all where he's taking me? Mm -hmm. And he teaches us that sometimes in difficult things. Like, it's hard. Um, one of the things that I use a lot is when my mom died, and I just felt very disconnected. And I had a lot of questions about, like, if you're just going to do what you're going to do anyway, why am I praying? And, why, you know, a lot of whys as I'm sure you can imagine. And what I learned through that season was just do it. Whether you feel it, whether you can see it, you have a choice to make, Holly. Are you going to follow me or not follow me? You know, you can't see where I'm going. You can't see it anymore. You used to think you saw it, and now you recognize anything can happen. So you know you don't get to see. Are you going to follow me anyway? Mm -hmm. And that was a real that was an important experience for me because I needed to understand that I don't get to see it all. That's not, this isn't really about me. It's about, will I choose to follow him? And if, if I follow him hard, what I found out is what he will do in my life and through my life as a result of me just following hard and being like, okay, I don't get this, but I'm going to keep walking 
in the way that I think you're asking me to walk. There's so much of that that's happened in my life after that. So that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother sit down. <laughs> okay. So, um, you gave a spiritual example. You had your question. Yeah. Gianna. Hi. Hi. <laughs> you had I a question. Did you ask your question? Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. How about you? Any spiritual parallels or anything you want to throw in there? Um, I think it was mostly just uh, all I can think about now is like the veil thing. I'm uh, you're stuck. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> That's okay. Jump in when you're ready. Yeah. So we talked about land. Um, one of the things I also did in the foundational parts is um, changing the word land to the word home. Mm -hmm. And um, what does that mean? What difference does that make for you? If you think about a promised land in a way that we would call instead maybe of using land, which feels distant, use the word home how does that change how you feel about the promised land i think that makes the promised land feel more cozy mm -hmm. for lack of a better word because when i think of home i think cozy and sometimes when i i think putting it like changing the word land to home makes it feel cozy is uh, like it's a good thing because sometimes when i think of promised land like i know it's amazing but it doesn't feel cozy it's distant yeah mm -hmm. yeah it's, it just feels so, far away mm -hmm, mm -hmm. exactly so replacing the word land with home kind of it's just a word but it makes it feel more inviting and like warm yeah so i mean i'm not about changing words in the bible but i do want to do some some work with that to help us have a personal application so if we say this is my promised home mm -hmm. um and i also want to say and we'll see this in the rest of the themes not everybody has a cozy happy healthy home and um, so biblical truths are biblical truths and they're true for everyone, whether you have a happy home or not. And I think what maybe actually, um, shows this better is the fact that when you don't have it, you long for it because it's how we're made. Mm. We're made for that. We're made to have a place where we belong, people we relate to and a God that loves us. And when we don't have those things, we feel something is amiss. Is that resound mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. you so I, I always try to say this is not the prosperity gospel we're talking about we're not talking about you have a promised home and it's a seven bedroom house with 14 bathrooms that's not what we're talking about we're talking about a place where you belong and we would receive that as a place where you belong in Christ in Christ we all belong we are adopted we are loved we are blessed and in this case it was a physical place where they would find rest and peace from their enemies and fruitful uh, land that would produce what they needed and they could raise their descendants and be happy there right so a home a place where you belong okay i'm going to move into descendants can we do that because i feel like we're a little bit behind are you are you guys okay on time do you have to leave right at the top of the second hour okay good keep you, you college girls and stay up late i don't know how to do that okay <laughs> okay um, the second, and this is all about pat per, applying personal application to this threefold theme. So it's important that we're doing this work and it seems like when are we going to get to the latter prophets? We're going to do strangely very little with the actual text. We're, we're drawing a big picture that I want us to be able to then color in on our own time when we read the books. Okay. I um, so many well, we're gonna. Okay, you can jump in, honey. Those Please. are later. Those are later. <laughs> okay. Those are later. We're going to get, get to, to them though, right? We'll get to them. Okay. Plus you're coming to the next one. So you'll have plenty of time. Okay, right. so what do you think of when you think of biblical descendants? Immediately Abraham. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like the seed mm -hmm. of Abraham. Mm -hmm. um, and David. Oh, David's another one. <laughs> Sing the song. 
and <laughs> David is promised, uh, they're all promised descendants. We think about Noah. Mm-hmm. Okay, go back to Ape, Adam. <laughs> Adam, be fruitful and multiply. Mm-hmm. Then the next big guy is Noah. Um, the w- earth is wiped out, but God protects the descendancy that Noah and his sons, and then we see these all these genealogies. There's a reason. They seem boring in the Old Testament, but there's a it's reason like those genealogies. Really important, though. They're very like, important mm-hmm. because they show the descendancy. Mm-hmm. And like culturally, like being promised, a, you know, many sons and, a, and many generations after you, that was like a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those patriarchs received it in the way that they culturally understood it. But what we see with David is that he understood it in a much larger way. And again, this is God revealing in bigger and bigger ways what his plans are. So with David, he showed a big picture. And David was like, whoa. And you actually, if you want to go back into the former prophets section, you can really work in the Davidic covenant and see David's response to the covenant as God lays out the covenant in Second uh, Samuel 7, then David's response to the covenant. And then actually what you see in a lot of the Psalms that David wrote is he's still receiving that promise. Mm-hmm. He's still reflecting that promise. He's still responding to that promise with the Psalms. So it's that's huge the davidic covenant i mean one of the authors that i quoted in here said the davidic covenant is the most important theological piece in the entire old testament and it is because it's god really showing who he is what his intention was is and will be for his people and how basically the whole thing's going to play out and of course david's mind was blown Um, because he knew he was a sinful mess and that's the other great part that these these men you know we we put them up on a pedestal but well I don't want to get into David. We're not getting into it. We're not getting into it. But he did not. He did a lot of really ugly things. I mean, he did rape and murder. Let's just call it. And that's ugly. That's ugly. But God used this man and and loved this man and gave this man a promise of of descendancy that would basically, you know, bring the savior of of the universe. So kind of an amazing promise beyond the cultural implications, you know. Big footnote there. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So if I change the word descendants to family, what feelings does that evoke in you? Be nice. I know your mom's. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, uh, well, I, like, the first thing I wrote was like parents and siblings. Um, I know not every family, like every person has siblings, mm-hmm. but um, in general. And then I was thinking of like, more so in my situation, I think it's like safety and protection. Because like not everyone, not every family has that. And like love. Mm-hmm. And there's also hardships that come with every family. And then that it's a blessing when no matter what even if it's like not like a good family home like you can grow from that and if it is a good family home you still grow from that it's really good caitlin yeah and one of the things that you just said that i just want to zoom in on a tiny bit is um what i mentioned a moment ago whether you have a good family or a not good family the longing for it Mm. shows that god created something in all of us that is relational and that we, w- when we don't have it, I mean, anybody who doesn't have a great family, they will be the first ones to tell you that's not right. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? Not right. Where do we get that from? I mean, we're just created that way. And we know that it's just in us. We know that. And, and if you see parents who abandon their kids or abuse their kids, we know that's not right. And no law needs to happen for us to know that it's just built in us. And it doesn't have to be the, like, nuclear family of, like, the 50s. But, you know, like, 
found family isn't it's like a writing term but like i think we understand what you mean yeah like it's like if you find a family it's pretty simple that can still you know it isn't about genetics Mm -hmm. it's about who loves you well and that's a great springboard into the spiritual descendancy that we were talking about that it's that um in christ we have an intimacy with people who we might not even barely know. Mm-hmm. Like there have been a couple times that people come around this team. I know you guys really well. I love you a lot. But there have been a couple times where people come to this and they didn't know each other before mm-hmm. they sat down. But there's an intimacy here that we, it's a, it's something we already know about each other, which is if you love the Lord, I understand you at least a little bit, maybe even a lot. And I feel like I can immediately relate to you. In some cases, more than my own nuclear family. I mean, that's not true for me in this house, but I'm sure it's true for a lot of people. A lot of people find a home and a family in the church that they lack in their nuclear or even extended family. So I think that's a great um, partnering, like we're talking about, if you think about descendants as family. And it also ties into that place where you belong. And I did a lot of that work in the first section, like how does home and family Mm -hmm. intertwine and, and how much of that, you know, is just how we're made, how we're built. So, um, okay. So descendants, if we think about family and, um, yeah, go ahead. I may. Mm-hmm. You may. There is also, um, perhaps this is a personal connotation. Perhaps this is a general connotation, but when I think of descendants in the old Testament as family, there is a sense of you should be listening. And this is like, you shouldn't be fighting the way you are and you shouldn't be disrespecting God the way you are if you're his family mm. you know like mm. say more because I, I think I understand but I don't think everybody does saying more without saying too much <laughs> we have a f- somewhat volatile oh no 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 family. no not about our family I'm just saying <laughs> I understand <laughs> the, I understand no. <laughs> having people that you're related to by blood okay who you don't get along with mm-hmm. or you know you don't see eye to eye with on a lot of things okay everybody has that by the way i yeah. know yeah. But, <laughs> but you know like when family members mm. act a certain way it's different than if a friend acts that i see way. what you mean yeah. mm-hmm. when and a family it, this member is that should that trust, we're talking about it's not right exactly. it shouldn't be like that if yeah. a family member betrays your trust it's different than if a friend mm-hmm. if a family member mm-hmm. doesn't listen to what to what you tell them to do it's different than if a friend doesn't it, there's oh, just yeah. some sort of obligation mm-hmm. and you know we're that's what i was talking about like so it's don't do yeah it right, yeah but yeah. it just you should be yep doing something very different yep that's great that's yeah. great that's exactly what i was saying too mm-hmm. like, i get that if, if we change it out with a group of buddies yeah that's different sometimes yeah. buddies fall out like mm-hmm. that's that's how it goes and sometimes families fall out but if different when a family falls out yeah yeah it feels wrong there's a lot connection yeah sometimes um if you talk to someone and they and you say oh well, i don't we don't talk to this person we don't talk to that person and they're like that's a shame and Why? you're like you don't know you're that. like let <laughs> me sit you down and tell you how it's so <laughs> it's much better but 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 you you understand there's that sort of common knowledge that you assume that you yeah, want a relationship mm-hmm, with yeah. them and you don't have it yeah okay so let's talk about thanks for that g Let's talk about the relationship with God. When you think about a biblical relationship with God, what do you think about? Don't overthink it. I just immediately thought of like the cloud and the fire tornado that you were talking about. Okay, so you <laughs> thought you thought immediately of the Old Testament application. Mm. Yeah. Okay. 
We've been talking about it for a minute. Now. I know, <laughs> but if, <laughs> I, if I pull it out of nowhere, if I say if I say to someone sitting in a church pew, tell me what what you think of when you think of special relationship with God, I oh. think of Christ immediately oh, yeah. because I live in that. No, it's all right. There's no wrong answers, but but that's what I think of. Um, but when we think about this covenant and how it was building towards Christ. Um, and how God had this intimate and special relationship that he curated with them, um, which, again, foreshadows the way that he'll curate that with us. I just I just wanted to kind of peel that out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to say about special relationship? Um, well, that is like the first thing that came to my mind, but the first thing I've written down is John 3.16. Mm-hmm. A classic. <laughs> so that was... Should you recite it? Jeez. No, you said it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... Um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Totally put you on the spot, but you knocked it out of the park, kid. Uh, so that's Definitely should the, have been able to recite the provision <laughs> of the special like. relationship. Yep, really good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's our ground, we laid our groundwork. Um, so we talked a little bit of how um, so the covenant's themes, land, descendants, and special relationship with God, are everywhere in the Old Testament. But in the sections that I separated out, you can see a little bit, one of the themes might be a little more prevalent. For example, in the Pentateuch, tons of genealogies, right? All the numbers in numbers. (laughs) And um, all throughout all all the Old Testament, there's a lot of genealogies, but we do a lot of work with descendants in Genesis. I mean, thousands of years are covered um, in in the, um, well, even in Genesis, but also in that first Pentateuch part of the, of the Old Testament. So descendants is a heavy theme there, although um, the other two really are necessary and, and also in there. The second piece, which is the former prophets, uh, is, is heavy in uh, land because it's Joshua, Judges, Samuel, and Kings. So it's like moving into the land, occupying the land, and then at the end of Kings, they're kicked out of the land. So that section is sort of land heavy but you can see that relationship with God and descendants is also really prevalent it might not be as on the nose when you read it but it's there as sort of a supporting actor if that makes sense and so now we're moving into the latter prophets where we see that special relationship with God take center stage because it's this business of um did they rightly worship God in fact Um, the way that all the kings in the monarchy were judged was whether they did or did not tear down the high places, which when they say that, what they mean is, did they destroy the worship of other gods in their um, kingdom? Did you know that? Yeah. Okay. So when you see in the book of Kings and Chronicles, um, which by the way is basically runs parallel to the prophets. So Kings and Chronicles is the stories of the kings during that time. And the latter prophets is the prophets who are trying to deal with the kings at that mm-hmm. time. They're trying to mm-hmm. get the kings to, um, for lack of a better word, get their heads out of their behinds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're prophesying their God's messengers to the kings. I'm always so thankful for how timeless and timely God's word is. Thanks again for joining us on this multi-series journey, studying God's covenantal promises throughout the Old Testament. We are a weekly Bible study, just like you'll find at your local church. If you aren't in a study like this one, we encourage you to join one. Make sure that the church is teaching from the Bible in every situation. In Matthew 10, Jesus sent out his disciples to preach the gospel, instructing them, freely you have received, freely give. 
We take that command serious here at Study With Friends. So we have created tons of resources on our website that are all free for you to use. They're at studywithfriends.org. Much like the disciples who relied on the generosity of a host, we are 100% donor supported. If you have been particularly blessed by our ministry, would you consider making a donation? Monthly partners are especially helpful to us and no amount is too small. If you are willing to give it, we would be grateful and blessed to have it. You can donate on our website one time or become a monthly partner. That's at studywithfriends.org forward slash donate. We would love to connect with you and hear how your walk is going. We also love to get prayer requests from you. You can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Or if you prefer, you can email us at info at studywithfriends.org. Remember, you can stream us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Plus, you can now see our studies on YouTube. No matter which way you choose, we hope that you will connect with us. For now, we hope you'll join us next time when we study with friends.